0: As soon as we were realizing the extent of what COVID-19 um, was going to, to have for our customers and our employees with the shutdowns and everything, we made immediate actions to support our customers, right? We said, we are not going to disconnect any customer regardless if they pay or not. Digital maturity cannot be achieved without that grounding in business maturity. I think we can all agree to that. But the one thing that's been missing both in the commercial and the cultural sector. What I think is missing from the, you know, the way we we teach our, our kids, what we learn at the university level, what we learn as an entry level associate in any organization across any sector, is that we don't necessarily have the emotional skills to navigate communication and collaboration, both in the physical workplace. And the digital workplace. This is where it really becomes important going forward, and, 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 and we really need to solve for this, and it, it's not easy. That is, how do we redefine the the purpose of the office space? Or in other words, we do need to redefine the purpose of the office space. I do believe that there is opportunity for us to better embrace a digital workplace and to ha- enable choice and flexibility and so that people can get the work done that they need to get the work done in the places that they feel like they're most productive. I also think that we're a social species and to assume that we could do it all remotely is, in my opinion, probably not the best recipe for driving innovation and driving really incredible um, ideas and, ge- and generating those into some realized product. So this is my Reflections on 2020 episode noticed that I was resisting doing this one a little bit. I wonder why that is. Um, I guess it's it feels so early to be kind of reflecting on 2020. So I'll try and kind of focus on the things that I can legitimately reflect on. Let's go through the episodes that have caught my attention in 2020, the ones that um, I think it's worth kind of mentioning. Um, And I'll start off with the one that's called, Would Mary Poppins Raise Ethical Robots? And this one was an interesting conversation driven by a headline that I saw in an FT article all about Mary Poppins as a kind of metaphor for ethics. Interestingly enough, We recorded this one around about the time that I went with Ali to see Mary Poppins, the musical. God, that feels like a long time ago. It's February of 2020. And Mary Poppins is really the kind of saviour of everybody, isn't she? She comes in to a family in distress. And once they're all sorted out, she disappears. We, we we kind of all want somebody like that in our lives, don't we? Anyway, this episode really looked at the ethics of, of uh, technology, the ethics of robots. And I think it was a really uh, interesting one. It was a lot of fun as well, because there are parallels. And I think it's really useful when you're trying to look into the ethics of artificial intelligence, um, digital workplace, um, and when you're looking at the ways that technology can have opinions, it's interesting to do it through a kind of quite a fun lens like that. So this was a pre-COVID episode. And the other pre-COVID episode, because they're so significantly different once COVID arrives, at least into Europe, The other episode was The Visions of the Beautiful Digital Workplace 2030. And that was really contrasting a report that came out a few years ago from DWG around the future of the Digital Workplace 2030. And a report more recently from Uniley, the software, digital workplace software company on the future of the workplace 2030 and beyond. And it was really comparing and contrasting both of the approaches that DWG had taken and the approaches taken by Unile. And actually what's interesting is kind of looking back at those, there's, there's a sort of kind of charm to them like an innocence because we didn't have to be dealing with what was just about to come round the corner. So the first one that dealt with things that came round the corner was episode 54 with Dion Hinchcliffe. And that's called COVID-19. Remote working becomes the new normal. This actually started off when Dion and I booked the recording. I do annual digital workplace predictions, and so does Dion. So we thought it'd be interesting to compare them with each other. By the time we came to record it, well, there was only one conversation that we could have, and that was around... The effect that um, COVID was having on, on the world of work. And remote working did become the new normal. What's interesting is, and this is just a kind of overall reflection on the year, is that remote working adjusted really, people adjusted and the technology adjusted incredibly well to what the Financial Times described as the largest experiment in new ways of working in in modern corporate history. So I think the change that's happened in 2020 is as significant as what happened over a course of decades during the industrial period when we were moving into the industrial revolution. And we went from an agricultural society into an industrial society, when we went from people living in rural situation into cities, factories, etc. And the kind of density of accommodation that all came with that. And um, I often have mentioned this year that if this pandemic had arrived 10, 15 years earlier, the world would have been significantly less prepared for it than we have been because of the technology capability that exists now that didn't exist then. I mean, at the beginning of this Shift in working when it really started to affect Europe and and North America in in March of 2020. I was thinking to myself, is the technology going to be able to cope with this? Um, what happens if that comes crashing down? But it didn't, and actually, that I think was one of the reasons why we've been able to adjust as well as we have to these new ways of working. It's interesting. Some countries have adjusted better than others. I discovered that the UK has actually adjusted to levels of remote working really quite well. I think it was pretty well, not quite accepted, but established as a way of working here already. And I think other countries, the Scandinavian countries, it's been easier to do it, I think, though easier is all as we know, in 2020, all relative. And then what we did, uh, the next episode that's worth uh, mentioning, is episode 57, which was 100 people and no offices, the new normal. Again, we had decided this was really an episode focused on two uh, significant people within the DWG uh, team, Louise Kennedy and Nancy Goble, and their reflections on the fact that we have a hundred people—at least we had a hundred people—we've got a few more now—and no offices, and and we've had no offices for about ten years now, having closed down the office we had in New York and London, um, then. But it, we we again we decided to record this episode pre-COVID, but of course it then became a really interesting story of how you work in this what we call distributed way. I don't really like the word remote because remote work sounds like you're a long way away from work. And I don't think you're a long, long way away from work. You're just working somewhere else. So distributed working, which is what Automatic, the um, one of the kind of poster childs of distributed working, the guys who run WordPress talk about, I think they've got a couple of thousand people who've worked like this for an awful long time. Um, but that was a really fun episode it's always fun sort of talking about yourself or your own organisation, isn't it? We we tend to do that infrequently because it can seem, you know, a little bit a little bit kind of indulgent. Um, there was a period for a, of a few months where, kind of, every episode we did not quite every episode we did, but most of the episodes we did seemed to kind of focus around the impact that COVID was having on the world of work for obvious reasons. Though we did. Th- throw in others as well, like is episode 58 was, is the era of the intelligent digital assistant? Is this the era of the intelligent digital assistant? And that was with Brett Cauldron, CEO of WorkGrid and Kevin Alp, who is author author of a DWG report, uh, the intelligent digital workplace assistant. And we talked about IDAs as they're called and the value that they have in organizations. And that was interesting as well. The next, getting back to the kind of how's COVID changing everything, was an episode that we did uh, with Sam Fisher, who's got a really interesting role within the workplace and the real estate world. And at the time we were recording this, the whole... Are people ever going to go back to offices? What's going to happen to the centre of cities? And of course, recording this in December 2020, that issue, that question hasn't been resolved. I mean, it's clear that the amount of real estate organisations need inside cities is going to be permanently reduced. By how, how much, we don't know. And of course, the interesting question is going to be when the vaccine's are really starting to be felt throughout society and the testing Mm -hmm. regimes are much more rapid, I think it's going to be interesting to see to what extent employees and employers want to bring people back to their workplaces and for what purpose. My prediction, which is in in my digital workplace uh, 2021, predictions is that we'll have a shift, a permanent shift of about a third in remote working, distributed working. So that doesn't mean a third of people who didn't used to will always work from home or other places that aren't centralized offices, but we'll end up with this hybrid workplace. So maybe you'll do that two days a week you'll go into an office and three days a week you won't for half of the workforce who can do this. Because obviously there will always be uh, large portions of the workforce who can't do this. But I do think, uh, and this is in my predictions, that we will get what I call not working from home, WFH. We'll get WCH working close to home, which is where you work in co-working spaces close to where you live, either with colleagues or with other people or a mixture of the two. Because I think what we want are choices around where we work. And I think working from home is, I mean, I've really experienced its limitations this year more than its uh, strengths because I was sort of used to it as a way of working. But you, you just miss your colleagues. But I think the idea of being able to go a little distance from where you live and meet up with other people, which I've really missed this year, the ability to meet up with other people, colleagues in a work setting, colleagues. So I think that idea is going to be very popular. It was something that the CEO of Barclays talks about early on. He said, you know, we're not going to have people coming into Manhattan, into Canary Wharf in London at the levels that we did. And we're going to start to repopulate uh, what I call pods, workplace pods, close to where you live. Um, So this whole idea of will we ever go to work again and it was one of our most popular episodes this year with Sam Fisher she's really articulate around this and she talks about it's not just about creating different versions of what used to be the office i think i think the period of 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 commuting of suburbia of the office as it was is is over i don't think we're going back to that again However, people will still travel for work some of the time, none of the time, or even all of the time, and they will travel into cities. But we will see 2019 as being the peak of that period. And as somebody said to me, Probably in fifty years' time, we'll go and visit these, monu- you know, one or two of these monumental skyscrapers and look at the ways that people used to work in the same way that we have done, where you go to some kind of history of work and science and technology and see the way people used to work a hundred years ago. The next episode, which um, it's you know, we try to vary the content in in the podcast um, from what I would call more nuts and bolts digital workplace to more esoteric ideas. But episode 61 was the keys to successful content migration with Nicole Carter, who's a consultant and researcher at DWG, and Alan Tanner, senior manager for digital communications at Financial Services Standard Life Aberdeen. They're both based in Scotland. They both live in Scotland. And they collaborated Nicole is the author and 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 Alan providing a case study on a report, a DWG report called The Eight Phases of Intranet Content Migration, How to Make the Move. And it's a really useful um, guide on, on how to do that. As I say, one of the things I like to do is to shift the content around. And we had episode sixty-three, which was why climate change, why climate changes everything in your digital workplace. I think climate change, a an entirely new relationship between organisations and the natural world, including human beings, because human beings we are part of nature, uh, is going to be the issue that most shapes the world of work over the next decade. Uh, The reason is, it's the issue that's going to shape how we work and live. And consequently, it's going to shape the world of work through its halo effect, if you like. like. And I had a great conversation with Dr. Tia Kansara about ecology, climate change, and specifically the impact that the virus has had on work. It was quite an emotional episode. I think... I recorded it. What uh, Somebody in her family had been pretty sick with the virus, I think, uh, and her dad. And, you know, she was talking about that. My brother-in-law, who was as close to me as a brother, Bernard Morrison, who was one of the loved news agents, shopkeepers in North Manchester, died from the virus in April this year. So I was affected um, hugely by that. And I think both of these, if you like, kind of personal stories came into it. Because you've got to remember when you're recording these uh, podcasts, I mean, we've all been going through a roller coaster individually and collectively this year. And it doesn't matter whether you've been deeply affected by it, or less affected by it. Everybody has been affected by it. And it's a kind of, you you never quite know what your own emotional state is. I don't, when I'm about to record the episode and I know that um, some of them I kind of, uh, uh, that was one of the episodes that I I was um, grateful to share that with Tia. Um, Episode 64 Oh, this was, uh, she was great. The uh, Fram Pomerance, founder of the Pomerance Group. She's she's somebody who combines both business coaching and executive recruitment. And the title of this one was recruiting for digital careers that don't yet in brackets exist. And I like the idea that we got into of how do you find people to fill roles that are very new or actually don't yet exist? And how does that fit with business life coaching? And it was just a really interesting one. Again, affected by the fact that Fram, Fran is is based in Manhattan. Again, at the time of recording, they're in some really serious level of lockdown. It felt really strange outside. Um, and I think where you've been this year has affected how you... Experience it if you 're in the center of Manhattan and everything grinds to a halt you 're kind of what 's happening what 's going on and one aside for me is that i've i 've spent and been grateful to spend so much time in nature. I mean we live in the English countryside in the Cotswolds and got a really beautiful garden and I notice i 've noticed everything about it a lot more intensely this year partly because myself and Shimrit Jane's director of knowledge at DWG were in the midst of writing our new book, Nature of Work, The New Story of Work for a Living Age, which comes out on the 14th of January. Details are available at www.natureofwork or com. You can pre-order there, download uh, the first chapter. But I... I've spent a lot of time immersed in nature around here, Um, usually with Hector, our Welsh Terrier. And I've noticed every single season, every... And I like to do exactly the same walk every day because that way I can notice what changes. And I don't have to... I I can sort of let my mind switch off, which I found hugely beneficial. So, you know, the world might go through what the world's going through, but... The kind of plants around me, the trees, the leaves, the soil just keeps doing its thing. Good to re- be reminded of. Episode 65 was, was really fun. Um, this was with Harriet Patience, who at that time of recording uh, was in charge of teaching storytelling to Accenture. And the episode's called The Rise of Storytelling in the Digital World of Work. The banner for this one's really cute. Um, little soft toys reading books uh, along with uh, a little girl reading books. And she looks like she's reading to one of her soft toys. We love stories, don't we? We are a storytelling species. It's one of the reasons why the uh, subline for the Nature Workbook is the new story of work, because what we're saying is that the new story of work is organisations as being alive. The era of the factory, the organisation as machine, as factory is over, and we're now in the era of the organisation as a forest, as a living system. When, so when you think of the organisation, think more forest, less factory. For example, if, you look at, in, if you're walking in the forest, the roots of the forest are invisible, but their health dictates the health of the forest. So what in your organization is invisible in its roots in the root system that dictates the health of your organization? Maybe the digital workplace infrastructure, maybe bits of the culture that don't function as well. And and so this forest analogy can work really well. Anyway, the episode with Harriet was really about why storytelling has become so um, important. And in her work at that time with Accenture, she was teaching storytelling because it's a great way of, um, of helping their consultants communicate with people. Every episode, I felt obliged to ask people about COVID a little bit. So we touched on it a little bit, but not particularly much. The next one, however, was another sort of warts and all story and it's called How COVID-19 Showed the True Digital Power of, um, of Duke Energy. I was really privileged to talk to Brian Savoy. He's the Senior Vice President, Chief Transformation and Administrative Officer for Duke Energy, which is a utility company serving more than 25 million households in the U.S., And it was really about how he had managed the organization and its move to distributed working, its successful move to distributed working um, during the pandemic. Obviously, people within Duke Energy were key workers, essential workers. But I love these stories um, because it tells you, it sort of takes you, starts off in February when they're trying to get their heads around it and Rolls Forward. Um, We've had a pretty prolific year, podcast episode-wise. It wasn't intentional. It's just there was a lot of interesting content. Uh, Episode 67 was really a plug for the manifesto for the Decade of Courage, which is something I and um, a few other people in DWG wrote in response to the pandemic's effects on work it was 12 action points for when your digital workplace becomes the essential workplace. And you can download the Decade of Courage Manifesto. It's 12 guiding principles. um, And it's got a little uh, workbook with it. It's been a very popular report. And I had on James Robertson from Step 2 in Australia and Manisha Singh, Um, who at that time was with Schneider Electric. But interestingly enough, Manisha, who wrote the foreword for our Nature of Work book, yet another plug for the book. Um, Manisha Singh, um, I didn't know this at the time, but she was um, going through the recruitment process to join uh, AstraZeneca, the uh, global pharmaceutical company. And she has a senior HR An employee experience role there and has written the foreword to the nature workbook. AstraZeneca, of course, hugely well known now for having developed the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine. That's the one you don't have to keep really, really cold. And I think we're just on the cusp of getting that license for rollout in the UK. We're excited because... A whole bunch of people have already been vaccinated here, which was which was great, and it was a really it was nice having two different voices to reflect on. I, you know, rather me talk about this this uh, manifesto that I helped write to have kind of reflections from two um, uh, different people, different. Uh, ways of coming at things. Uh, Episode 68, everybody loves Lego, don't they? And when uh, Jesper Ambrosius, just a fantastic name that, isn't it? And I do say this in the podcast, Jesper Ambrosius should be a character in Harry Potter. Anyway, Jesper is the head of Lego workplace experience. And it was great to get an episode called How Lego Approaches Workplace Experience. Um, Again, really nice banner with... Guess what? Lots of yeah, uh, Let's lots of Lego. Um, what was interesting was Lego as a company. Think about the f- the workplace, the physical workplace, using language that is very, very new, more anthropological, more data driven. And when you're starting to think about this idea of yourself, not less as a factory, more as a forest less as a machine, more as a living system, then the language around work changes. I would say words like experience are nature of work terms that are already uh, flow, design. These are not mechanistic ideas. These are natural system ideas really interesting episode with Dr. Lauren L. Vargas, episode 69, um, called Take Calm, Take Care, Stay Calm and Carry On in the Digital World of Work. And it's really around the research that L has been doing into um, bringing emotion into work, the idea of opening up the idea of the importance of an emotional connection within the workplace and the framework. The frameworks that Elle, who works with DWG and and also does a lot of work in in the whole digital museum sector. So she's had a busy uh, year. episode with her. That was was good. Um, We did an episode on episode 70, which was about the Digital Workplace of the Year Awards. Um, you know, having uh, conversations around what was in that. That was, I won't say too much about that, but it covered the different winners of the different awards and um, I really enjoyed that one. And this was really timely, episode 71, which was the vitamins for digital well-being. You know, there's been so much talk this year about the importance of, digi- of, of digital health, digital well-being. Physical well-being and and also digital fatigue, and I got on two really great guests, Dr. Christine Grant, and she's a a leading applied researcher uh, on the psychology of remote e working and agile working, and also Elizabeth Marsh, who's DWG's research director and currently doing a PhD, and we really talked. About how you bring kind of vitamins and not vitamins literally, but vitamins in the sense of practices and habits around digital working so that you can manage your own well being in work. I don't like systems where it's like you go and work for an hour, then stretch for 10 minutes or turn things off. What I like to do is is make sure my day's structured around physical exercise, uh, meditation, walking, and make sure that I know those things are happening. And then when I'm working, I'm quite happy to go in quite intensely. But um, I think the main thing is it's all about working out a system that works for you because we're all different, aren't we? And then the penultimate episode of the year was episode 72, a new story of work for a living age with Charles Eisenstein. Charles is a philosopher, uh, author, uh, ecologist, thinker, a very popular person um, in the kind of alternative systems, alternative economics, He wrote a book that I I really loved called The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible. And we referenced the book a little bit in our book. And Charles did the afterword where he talked a little bit about the idea of work and non-economic work and placing value on non-economic work, caregiving, housework. The things that happen in our world that we don't put a price tag on. Anyway, this was an extract this episode from Digital Workplace Group 24, our 24 hour until uh, up to and including this year annual foray where we go for 24 hours. And it was an interview that Shimrit Janes and I did with Charles on DWG 24. Great conversation. And it was a really nice way to conclude the episodes for this year, apart from this one, which will come out before the end of the world. Uh, End of the world? God, don't say that, Paul. We're not there yet. Actually, if you want to read a book, he said, digging himself out of a hole. Somebody who we will be releasing an episode with is Michael Mead, the mythologist, who also came on DWG24. And he wrote a book highly recommended called Why the World Doesn't End, which puts into perspective the kind of cycle of life, I suppose. Interestingly enough, don't mention the word apocalypse, Paul. Okay, I will, there's the word apocalypse, but it uh, actually is uh, the derivation of the word apocalypse means collapse and renewal. So people often focus on collapse, but what they don't focus on is renewal. And uh, it comes from the Greek word. I think it's apocalypsis. God, where am I going with this? Anyway, what can I say in terms of reflections into 2020? It's been, I was on a walk with some friends yesterday and we decided it's just been a weird, challenging, strange year. Because normally you have things happen where you can say, well, this is a bit like that, but this year there wasn't like it's a bit like that. I think, in fact, in the work sense, it accelerated trends that were already in place. And maybe it's just me, but I go into 2021 with a great deal of hope and optimism. Not because I don't think we face individually, nationally, collectively, an awful lot of challenges, but I think we needed a pause and a wake up and a reflection on what kind of world of work, what kind of societies we actually want to live in. And I think, you know, where you have to kind of shake somebody out of a stupor or they just kind of don't get it. I think we needed uh, we needed to be collectively shaken up. And so I think kind of going into next year, as we start to emerge out of the pandemic through vaccines and testing, I think we all know that we don't want to return to the kind of way things were in the work setting. I don't think I've met anybody who wants to commute or... Do business travel the way they did before. We all do want to meet our colleagues, uh, but not to the not to the extent we were doing before. And I just think we're we're opening up far more opportunity than actually existed in December 2019. I mean, look what we've pulled off in, in uh, this year, despite all the pain and suffering that's that's happened and happening and that has affected everybody. There's also been a a kind of global coming together. Most countries, most societies have responded, I think, pretty well to what was required. Different levels of... Con- Some societies are more, if you like, compliant than others. But I think there's been a, a global um, event that people have responded to and also... The world of science has, has been able to work at scale, at speed, collaboratively to try and address the need for, for vaccines. And what occurs to me is if we can do that in the healthcare, what about if we really set about tackling uh, climate change in the sense of re-crafting and redesigning our relationship that that which is alive in this world apart from us and including us, if we move from dysfunctional relationships with the earth and nature, including each other, to functional relationships. So we've seen that through collective global action, we can achieve an awful lot in a short amount of time. And I think with a more open Global politics in 2021. What on earth am I referring to? But just kind of generally a sense of uh, more cooperation. I think there. I think we would really surprise ourselves. Uh, We've discovered this year, haven't we, that human beings are incredibly adaptable. I mean, I've got three girls all in their twenties. If you'd have said to me this time last year how would they respond to lockdowns restrictions closures etc it would have seemed impossible but in fact with some bumps in the road they've all adjusted incredibly well and have responded incredibly well and we are a very adaptable creative inventive species and we are in the decade of courage So that's year one of the decade when we needed courage. Um, I do think we will see some significant shifts of power inside the world of work um, as it moves from the centre out to the front line to where work's delivered. I think organisations are going to need to radically restructure from industrial age hierarchies into networks and nodes, into a system that's far more adaptable, resilient. I think there'll be huge levels of disruption caused by that and an awful lot of new opportunities. I think life and work will become generally more local, but also will still be global but not to the, um, I would say, excessive level that it has been in the last few decades. So those are my reflections on on uh, on 2020. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's, well, there's been a, the death of my brother-in-law, then the death in June of my mum, who, she didn't die of COVID, she just died of kind of being 98 really and I had an extraordinary hour with her a few days before she died which was really beautiful and has made her death so much easier for me to to deal with it's also been testing and challenging being CEO of a consulting and strategic partnership organization. Um during a global pandemic, there's been clients under a great deal of stress and strain. Um, I've tried to use the fact that I've been sitting in my garden in the Cotswolds to try and, I don't know, gain some perspective and and try and maybe be a a hopefully calming and sort of reassuring and helpful support to some senior people in different companies. Um, but it's been it's been a kind of challenging year, even though uh, on a work level we've had I think what you would call a successful year, and go into the next year with a lot that looks really interesting and exciting uh, happening project wise. You can't control what happens in life can you but you can only control your own response to it so be interesting for me personally to find out you know when we can all start traveling again how much will i want to at the early stages of the pandemic i said i would never travel for business again um i think maybe i would travel rarely or with discernment Um, is probably how I'd put it. Um, I just wish everybody have a, a lovely break over the festive period. Try and relax, stay safe, be in nature and kind of clear our minds, our hearts and get ready for another year where we can design the futures that we want. Digital workplace impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking, and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.